You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Okay, welcome to another edition of Delirious Nomads. We're in 2022. I think Matt and I are finally getting it together where we actually know how to do these things. Um, sort of. We have a really, really special guest here. Um, you know, I don't think you can have a conversation um, about, you know, uh, the best metal guitar players in the world. If this, if this guy's not included in that conversation, then that's not a serious conversation. Um, he's also probably has played in more bands than any other guitar player on earth. Uh, my good friend, Ira Black. Now, before you even get started, Ira, before you even say hello, I'm just going to run through Metal Church, Vicious Rumors, Heathen, Lizzie Borden, Dokken, played with Chris Caffrey, Attica 7. I did a little research and we got to talk about this. You did something with Carrot Top. I mean, Jesus, man. Yeah, <laughs> fall on drums. Really? So welcome to the show. Um, what was this Carrot Top thing? Well, you know, first of all, dude, I appreciate, uh, you know, the accolades, you know, and yes, I, I've been busy in my career for sure. Very driven, you know, and, uh, you know, I hope you guys are having a great start of the new year. I, I definitely am. And, uh, you know, look, if you want to get into something like that, I mean, when you go out and you're playing a lot of different gigs, you know, you start getting more calls for stuff that that's just the, the nature of the beast really, you know, so I happened to be doing an album with Paul Shortino at the time. Well, actually a little bit previous to that. And, uh, We'd finish it, and then Paul moved to uh, Las Vegas and started hanging out with Carrot Top and a bunch of people there because he does his comedy show there. You know, he has his residency there at the Luxor, and uh, Carrot Top did. And uh, basically, uh, he wanted to put together a song, the song "Send in the Clowns," a rock version of that classic song. You know, the Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer I think is it, if I remember correctly. Anyways, uh, they wanted a rock or metal version, and. Uh, Vinnie Paul was living there at the time, hanging out with all these guys. They wanted to do this show intro song and uh, do a cover of it. So he asked me to put together the arrangement and kind of oversee it, like, you know, the musical director of it. And it was a great story, too. Uh, we got to the uh, studio and Vinnie Paul's about three hours late. We're like, is he going to show? And he shows up with like six people and they're all dressed as clowns. <laughs> We're like, to a recording session. We're like, this is crazy. They all pile out of the car and you know, did the whole act. It was so funny, you know, and he recorded, uh, you can see uh, Getty Images ha has them up. If you go to Getty Images, just like 
Vinnie Paul and Ira Black. You search that and you'll see uh, him behind a drum kit, uh, you know, recording the song. So wow. amazing. Amazing, amazing. So my first question upon kind of, you know, like Chris said, you've, I think your Wikipedia says you've been in 60, over 60 bands, which is... Well, it, it, it's been a lot more since that. It, it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. My girl uh, kind of helped uh, put together the, the bio list for that. And then, uh, you know, when we really sat down, I, I think I'm in my, I think Bullet Boys, I think is 92. Holy shit. Which is brand new news. Um, I don't think anybody knows this yet. This is going to air in a couple of weeks, so they'll know then. But yeah, you just, well, I, so I just saw you perform with your own band of Gods and Monsters not just a month ago, opening for Dokken. Um, and I thought you were going to focus on that. And then I get a text from you that you are joining Bullet Boys. Like, how'd that happen? And then Matt, I'm sorry, I just cut you off, but I want to I hear about this Bullet Boys thing. Yeah, well, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, yeah, I, I've been working on this new project of Gods and Monsters for, you know, the, the since 2019, the end of 2009, uh, no, 2020, I'm sorry, the end of 2020, during the pandemic, uh, that they asked me to join stuff. I had all these songs written and I wrote, wrote a few more and put it together. We got Simon Wright joining England on bass. So you know, we record an album, put out a press release. Cool. You know, it's like we was trying to keep the, the ball rolling for our careers and stuff. And, you know, it's a lot of fun and stuff. And uh, we just played our first show finally with uh, after a few handful of cancellations, actually, we just got and played our first show that you came to the other night where we uh, opened up, uh, supported docking at the whiskey. And, uh, you know, as things move along quickly, this is just kind of what happens. Like I said, when you're out there doing this a lot, people know that you're a person that can show up and do the gig, you know, with, with, with no uh, drama, no problems, whatever, you know, so you just get the job done. That's kind of my forte, you know, <laughs> and uh, I, I've been working on a project with Mark Torian, a side project just for fun. Cause you know, I got my studio at the house and stuff. And uh, a few days for a docking gig, I get a call from Mark. Hey, Bullet Boys aren't showing up to our show at the Whiskey. Can you sit in with me in six hours? And I had a rehearsal with Of Gods and Monsters because we were playing a docking show. So I had to go to that rehearsal and then uh, learn the songs in the car in the parking lot at the Whiskey. And I did an acoustic set with Mark for the Bullet Boys set last Whoa. minute. Wow. Yeah. So it was just a few days before. So, you know. It, it was kind of like, okay, something might happen here because, you know, if that's going on. And then all the guys in the Bullet Boys have just quit in the past week. They went online, Facebook Live, oh, we're quitting. Where I was like, well, yeah, you didn't show up to the last show. So, so of course, you know, Mark, I was, you know, I'm already working with Mark. He's like, dude, you can do this. Please, will you do it? And I'm like, hell yeah, my pleasure. You know, I, I grew up, you know, I bought that first record. So it, it made an impact. You know, was, I, I'm like, yes, I would love to do this. So. So there's some breaking news. This will come out after the fact, but you're getting the, the the first inside scoop publicly. So I love it. I love it. Like, how do you learn that quantity of songs as quickly as you need to? That's the thing that always fascinated me with guys like you. Well, you know, when you do something all the time, you know, sure. you get more and more. And, and, and the harder you push yourself, um, I joined the band Heathen in 1992. Okay. Their music is very difficult. I, I'd call that a 10 out of 10. It, their music is not easy. You know, the Victims of Deception album was the album that just came out. I had to learn that whole thing. And, you know, it was very hard. So I've been pushing myself very hard for a long time. You know, I've been playing for 40 years since I was 10, you know. So I would hope that, you know, with all this attention to focus of, of me playing, you know, over the years, I would be able to do this. But, you know, I played an I Am Morbid with uh, the guys from yeah. One Age with David Vincent, Tim Young, and, of course, Bill Hudson on, on uh, other guitar. And uh, that music is also very difficult. You know, that's not easy music to play. So, 
It's like when you push yourself and you can really figure out how to do this, you get integrated into this thing about, you know, and look, the, the Bullet Boys is definitely not as hard as those bands. It'll probably be more fun though, you know? So yeah. I, I enjoy that as well. So it's like, I, I like both sides of the coin. I like to go and play metal and show people like, oh my God, look at this heavy stuff and this isn't easy to play. And, you know, but it's also fun to go and play some guitar and have fun. And it's not that it's not difficult. It's a different style. You know, I'm definitely going to show up and lay down the details for sure. You know, the way people want to hear it. So. Absolutely. So you started playing when you were 10 years old, like why, why guitar, why metal? Like how, how the, what was the impetus for that? Well, this definitely goes back to my, my earliest memories because my, my birth father uh, is a guitar player. Uh, he passed away, you know, 13 years ago, unfortunately, God rest his soul, you know, but uh, his name was Waylon Black and he was a blues guitar player in Sacramento. He helped, uh, he's one of the guys that helped start the blues scene in Sacramento, California. And uh, he actually, in 2019, I received an award for him posthumously, uh, 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 nominated for it and, and I went and received the award form for the uh, Sacramento Blues Hall of Fame. Oh and, wow, uh, that's awesome. So as you see, I was around it since I was born. Literally, I used to go see my father play when I was two, three, you know, five years old uh, in bars and stuff actually. Um, him, my mom and him split when I was, you know, like two and he would have me on the weekends and he was a, a gigging musician. So he would literally bring me to a bar and I'd be sitting there at four years old and the waitress would be taking care of me. So I, I've been around this all my life. So, you know, I, and I actually want to be a drummer originally. You know, it's like, I think a lot of kids see drums. Like, I get to hit things, you know. So that's kind of, you know, where I was at with that. I was like, I want to be a drummer. And then and, uh, my mother's uh, third husband, and I sound so my mother's third, her eighth husband, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, her <laughs> third husband, who she's still with now, and they've been together for, you know, 40 years um, plus. And, uh Basically, he, he was a guitar player as well. So when I was 10, uh, I was messing around with the acoustic guitar. I was sitting there and he's like, oh, you want to learn something? So he showed me this little blues riff. Dun, 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 and I picked it right up and I just started playing it, you know, and he was like, wow, you, you picked that up quick. Because, you know, most usually, you know, you're trying to teach a kid or like, you know, trying to do it. It's like I, he showed me and I just played it. And he's like, whoa, that's, you know. Now, if, if you heard his story, he goes by the name Papa Joe, actually, and he still plays uh, music and stuff. But he goes, yeah, within six months, he was better than me. I wanted to give up. Because <laughs> all I do is I just played every day. I just trial and error. You know, he showed me a few chords and then I just took it from there. I started writing songs within a few months on my on my own and like my own material, like little ditties and chordal things and stuff and just took off from there. And then, so why, with all this blues and stuff happening in the, why metal? Well, good question, because, you know, I started on acoustic, and then uh, a few months later, probably three months later, uh, you know, in, in March, I got uh, an electric guitar from, they gave, got me an electric guitar for my birthday, age 10. And uh, so, I, technically, I started when I was nine, but on my 10th birthday, I got this guitar. And um, basically, um, you know, after... Playing for a little while, I got turned on. I was hanging out with a friend of mine. He's like, oh, check this band out. And I'd heard of them before, but I didn't really, you know, research. I, I listened to the radio, Foreigner, uh, Jay Giles' band, you know, Centerpoled, all that was out during the time and stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, it was just what was on the radio. My friend had a, a little a Walkman. He's like, check this out. And I put it on. It's like, it's like, I am Iron Man. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, and it's, you know, I was like, 
I was like, oh my God, this is like, that's guitar. You can do that on guitar, you know? So that was it, Black Sabbath. Uh, the song literally Iron Man is what was, I remember the moment because I was already playing guitar then. And I was like, and I happened to see that we had a bunch of records and we had that album. And so I put the record player in my room and I started, you know, learning how to play all this stuff. So that was like the first album that I started, you know, learning. It's funny, I can remember all the, uh, the riffage that I was picking up and then later years figure out how I was playing it wrong. I can remember those early years of like learning how it was and how I played it and maybe it was a little bit wrong. And then when I got older, you know, I'm like, Oh, I used to play it like that, you know, and it's a trip. So uh, yeah, that's what it is. Black Sabbath got me into it. And then Black Sabbath ended up being my first concert when I was uh, 13. I went and saw um, uh, Black Sabbath and Quiet Riot. It was the Born Again tour with Ian Gillen singing for uh, Black Sabbath. So and then once I saw that, then that was, the, you know, that was, a you know, part two. First, was the hearing Sabbath. And then at part two was seeing them live. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do, period. I don't care about anything else. So I've literally since that day that that was it. I never wanted to do anything else. And, you know, I've gotten to do it. So, you know, awesome for that. One of the things I think is really cool about your career is you've sort of balanced, like, you know, being in sort of more extreme bands like Heathen or I Am Morbid with like, you know, Glamax and sort of more hard rock oriented things. Was that like a choice to kind of do like a broader swath of metal or did that just sort of happen? Because you don't often see that. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was in um, Dawkin and I Am Morbid at the same time. Yeah. For me, it's interesting because guitar was my first love just playing guitar you know and and yes we we get into i mean it's funny I, i'm trying to think you know it's like back in the 80s it, you almost barely called things styles yeah stuff was heavier remember they were still trying to decipher what all this metal was remember we, originally it was just heavy metal and that's mm -hmm. what i grew up on that that's my root so you know i, I always listen to everything I, i've always been very diverse in my listening i would listen to Bullet Boys. I'd be listening to Slayer. I'd be listening to Motley Crue. I'd be listening to Guns N' Roses. I'd be listening to Heathen. I, you know, Metal Church, Dawkin. Like Chris and I were talking about, I remember, uh, you know, being 14, having Tooth and Nail and listening to it on the front porch of my house when I lived in Rhode Island. And, mm -hmm. and Chris and I both have lived in Rhode Island, you know, so I mean, yeah. I grew up there for seven years. Uh, that's where I started playing guitar, actually. And I hear playing, learning Dawkin stuff out in my front porch, you know. So for me, it's always just been about playing guitar not about the style, you know, because then I heard Ingve and I'm like, oh my God, I got to learn how to shred now, you know? So that took me on this other thing, you know? So as I get older, it's like, you know, the, the diversity of my, my listening and my playing has just translated to that, you know? It's like uh, being a fan of all, a lot of these sort of bands just makes me open to doing that, you know? Um, sure. You know? And, and of course, I started on acoustic guitar. Um, a lot of people don't know this about me. I probably have I don't know, you know, two, 300 acoustic guitar songs written. I get sitting down and entertain a party oh, wow. on acoustic guitar without rehearsing, like my own songs that I've written, like intense, like, like I, I could go on an acoustic guitar tour and almost not even rehearse for it. Like I have like a whole arsenal of stuff that I do, you know, but one day I, I might unleash my, my acoustic side. You'll be like, you do that too? Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> That's it's really cool. It's just I love, more that. love of the instrument and the love for music that, you know. What I find playing guitar is 
you know, you go, like, I spend all my time, like, learning jazz and classical stuff. But then when I want to go learn a metal thing, it's like, oh, all these things cross-apply, which I think is part of the fun. Or, like, if you are spending time learning death metal, you can then go learn a glam thing and, like, bring something over. Totally. I mean, there's something to be in a musician. A lot of, you'd be surprised, a lot of people that play in bands aren't musicians. You know, they, they, yeah. they play music, play in a band, and and that's fine. I'm not knocking it, you know, and, and you know, they know what they know, and and that's it you know for, for me it's always been about exploring I, I had a deep under realization that you know it probably take 10 lifetimes to learn everything on guitar you know so i'm like you know I, i'm gonna explore as much as i can like you say you play jazz like that's my weakness jazz is not my thing you know i can do all these other things but jazz is not really in my wheelhouse you know so you know maybe one day i will you know approach that a little bit too just for fun because i do like you know learning exploring and you know absolutely that's great good classicals uh i'm in the classical for sure that that's a big part of the structure of a lot of stuff i do you know another line inside of, of my songwriting and my soloing and stuff for sure you know and blues of course but what what classical composers are you into typical ones like Bach you know paganini i mean he, sure. he's great you know as a violinist yeah i mean he's obviously a great reference for him you know um tychowski uh rock modern off i always like to listen to stuff like that because it really yeah. inspires you like I, i'm sure you play guitar you can listen to this stuff and it will directly like i'll sit down and start playing it and i'm not even learning that specifically necessarily but it'll inspire me to like you know you hear stuff and then you start to hear it come out when you're playing you know um I like modern symphonic composers too. Like, uh, have you ever heard of Yannis uh, uh, Zanakis? Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, he, yeah, he started out as an architect and he started writing music using patterns. He wasn't a musician originally. He just started taking mathematical patterns and making music out of it. And then he'd have, you know, a four-piece uh, um, polyrhythmic drum piece that he put together, and he would do it all mathematically. And, and it became a big thing. I mean, orchestras play his music and stuff. And the stuff sounds like, I mean, some of it's scary. You put it on and it sounds like, you know, the end of the world's coming. Because you know, it, it's not put together like melodically in the sense of, you know, like the, you know, classical, uh, you know, seven note scale. You know, it, it's it's like anything goes, you know, it literally it goes in movements, you know. But uh, yeah, stuff like that, you know. Uh, Igor Stravinsky, I, I was just checking some some uh, stuff out actually last night you know that someone posted about that and i wasn't that familiar with it it's pretty interesting he does some interesting uh the the, the concept of some of his music is you take a scale and you reverse it backwards it's like called yeah. mir uh, scale mirroring and i wasn't even really familiar with that i messed around and you know uh play notes on this side of the neck also you know you you bar it yeah and, you know the notes are dead you know and you can play notes there and it's like weird you know but I've done a lot of uh, sound experiment with, with guitar for sure. hundred percent. No, Stravinsky's like, I, I think people forget that like that motherfucker like started riots because his music was so scary. Like, like, how do you do that? How do you make something so scary that people have to riot? I know. Well, that's because, you know, society's always on a, a gentle, balanced razor's edge of, you know, somewhere between, uh, you know, chaos and, and, and uh, calm, you know, it's like that, you know, the smallest things could just disrupt things. I mean, imagine if all of a sudden, I mean, here you go, Chris, if all of a sudden all the food chains 
were disrupted and no one could get food. I mean, right? How quick before there'd be riots? It's, I'll tell you what, man, the supply chain has really become a complete headache with COVID. And it's, I'm not joking when I say it's, it's not, it's not as far as people think. I mean, if this, if this continues, it's getting harder and harder and harder. People, not just in the restaurant business, but, you know, in agriculture and farming and fishermen and all that stuff, like they're just not working anymore. They're either sick or they just have just, you know, they re, calibrated what they want to do with their life when when the world was shut down and uh so we're seeing huge shortages already crazy but we don't want to talk about that stuff about four months ago you know i went out and started uh, doing my my own jam where i had about 20 25 people playing with me because you know ultimate jam night was supposed to start back up then they postponed so i took over the the, the night at the whiskey and i just had to get out and start playing again Okay. And it goes back to what you're saying about how music, you know, uh, Stravinsky is causing rise because it's music. But, you know, it's funny. Uh, I came to the conclusion. I mean, I already knew this, but I was like, I verbally said it out loud. I'm like, oh my God. I said, the music, the, the world without music, people will go insane. There's something about music helps lets, helps people and lets them, gives them a platform to release, especially metal, you know. But, you know, all metal, uh, I mean, all music, people want to go out and sleep live music, entertainment, whatever. But, you know, they want to be able to have a place to kind of let some of that stuff go and, re and remember that there's beauty in the world and cool stuff and fun and hanging out with people, networking, all this great things about music. So, you know, it's uh, that was a, a major thing that crossed my mind. I'm like, man, we just saw what the world was like without that side. And, and look where it went. You know, it's like we got so caught up in politics. And it's like, let's go back to life culture music thank you food you know i mean mm -hmm. getting the restaurants down you know it's like that that's terrible we're going to go into we're going to talk about restaurants in a minute because we're going to talk about you being a vegan for the last 20 years a strict vegan but before that i just had one more question to wrap up not really wrap up but um you know this incredible resume that you have could you ever see yourself settling down and just being in one band? Well, at a certain point, I just realized, you know, of course, when I, my first band that I ever played live with was called Arcane, A-R-C-A-N-E. It was, it was my own band. I was 17. We opened up for Tommy Two-Tone. It was my high school Fuck band, yeah. you know. And, yeah, we went for Tommy Two-Tone. That's the, the sickest thing ever. Spirit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was 17. I was still in high school, you know. And uh, I was like, you know, I wanted that to be my band. I wanted to be in, you know, my our high school, you know, it's like the band that we started in high school, that's going to be, you know, and it just didn't work out, you know, and I moved out of town, a small town, and I, I joined another band, and I started to see, then it was another band, I'm like, okay, well, I say, maybe one of these bands will be the one, you know, and that just came to the conclusion, well, some people are, I call it lucky enough, you know, I, I think it's a, a, a cool thing to be in one band, and bring that band to a certain place, you know, but it just, that didn't happen for me. So at a certain point I started to realize like, well, there's also a certain point where I'm going to have to just make a name for myself. I'll have to be my own entity, you know, a hired gun. And sometimes I'll, you know, it, it's been an interesting balance because sometimes, uh, you know, I, I don't usually very rarely do I come in as a hired gun with that mentality. I come in like I'm joining the band or even if I'm just filling in people and go, you're a hired gun. Like, you know, it's all about the hang and about the camaraderie. And, you know, I mean, I, I want people to walk away and go, man, I, I want that guy to always be in my band. You know, that's where I come from. Cause it's like, you know, I want to bring all the pieces that I can. And, and, you know, I always roll up my sleeves and you know, I'll book shows, I'll carry the equipment, I'll write the songs, I'll record it, whatever, you know, it's like, I, I'm down for the cause, you know, but uh, on the other side, you know, it's hard to get along with people, you know, it's just, if you look at the number of bands I've been in times that times 
the number of people say there's at least four people in the band. I mean, that's 360 people. So you think I have a little bit of uh, insight into, you know, uh, humanity and personalities and, and the dynamics, how people get along. And I've tried uh, every which way, you know, I've tried the democracy. I've tried the, I'm running it. I'm trying to, you run it. I've tried the, you know, let's, you know, just see what happens. Yeah. I've tried it all. And, uh, you know, he's just come back to, it, it has to be from, uh, you know, you have to have camaraderie. It has to be from a brotherhood. There has to be that first. And then you also have to, you know, hopefully that everyone's business minded enough to say, okay, let's make a checklist. Let's do all the things we know we need to do as well and follow through and hit this like it's the last thing we're ever going to do because, you know, business is like that. If you don't work on it every day, then, you know, that's what happens. Every day you don't work on it, that's the day something's not happening. So my final thing is that, Yes, by the way, I do have my own bands, and I, I, I haven't revealed that yet, but during the pandemic, I, I've been putting some songs together, so I'm actually singing and playing guitar. So that band, I will never quit because it's my bands. <laughs> <laughs> but th th that's the conclusion I came to. Okay, I'm going to stay in one band for sure, and that's going to be my own band. So There you go. There you go. I'd love to hear the story if you want to talk. If you don't want to talk about it, it's fine, but I'd love to hear the story about your 10-day hunger strike when you were behind bars for... Uh, traffic violation. I, I'm open to talk about this stuff. You know, I, I mean, I know some people, some people we know, we won't mention names, you know, are like, hey, that's off limits, you know, but, you know, look, you know, this is the stories of our life, you know, and if you can't, you know, take something from it to, to move forward with in life, you know, then yeah, I don't even want to look back on my life with, with regret, you know, so I, I always try to, you know, so how I have to go to the beginning of like a few days before that, because I just finished a Lizzie Borden tour in Europe and it was the last day of the tour. We were in Amsterdam or actually in a, a smaller outskirt town from there. And, um, uh, Hengelo, I think. And, uh, a fan came up You know, I've been drinking the whole tour. I smoked a joint with this guy. We were in, we were in, in uh, Holland, you know, it was legal and I uh, smoked this joint and that's uh, 2008. And I said, uh, wow, just, I said, that, that's the last time I'm ever going to do this. So, I decided to go so get sober right then and there. And I, and I've never gone back since that moment, you know? So, uh, we're heading to the airport in a few hours to fly back home. And, uh, maybe two days later, I was driving down the road. It was uh, right near Christmas time. My son had just flown in. It was a terrible thing. And I got pulled over for speeding. Oh, you're doing 42 and a 35. Oh, wow. You know? And, uh, well, being a uh, you know musician who didn't take care of a lot of his you know personal business in the past you know like I didn't have a driver's license no insurance I was you know I was you know a gypsy outlaw you know rock and roll mother you know, motherfucker and uh, you know so I went to jail just got back from Europe tour I'm like oh my god my son had to fly back to San Francisco it was devastating I was like you know and here I am sitting in jail and I'm like oh my god I just decided to quit drinking and go sober and now i'm sitting here in jail this is like weird you know it's like what the heck you know so i, I kind of chalked it up to like i think you know maybe it's god's way of saying we're gonna keep you sober buddy like for real like you know now you're really gonna you know explore your soul and so of course i've been vegan for a long time at that point in time now as of now i'm 26 years vegan holy shit so at the time i guess it was you know 16 you know i can't do the math right now 13 yeah thank you look i, I i'm not an entitled person I, I i take my veganism as a you know on my own thing i on tour you know a lot of times you know like i could write a book just about that alone you know uh, eating vegan on tour for 26 years that's been an interesting 
uh, scenario for sure, you know, but um, I'll not eat for three days if I have to. That's just, you know, I'm like that, you know, if there's no vegan food, then, you know, and that's how it was in the early days. It wasn't always easy. So I wasn't a stranger to fasting. I had done fasting. I read books about fasting and stuff. So here I am in the LA County jail and and I'm looking at it kind of like, you know, I'm a constitutionalist, a patriot, however you want to look at it, you know, I'm right down the center of freedom, you know, that I'm not into any of the political parties, so don't even assume that either. So my viewpoint at the time was, and I still kind of like that, I'm like, look, you've captured me and imprisoned me into your system, okay, whatever, people can say whatever they want about it, and if you're not going to feed me what I eat, then I'm not going to eat, there you go. So they said, well, you can fill out a form. And it's hard in there, man. You're in a room with a hundred guys in a dorm. And we're talking about people with tattoos on their face that would kill you, beat your ass. That, that, you know, I did get pulled in the back and they tried to beat me up and, and I wouldn't let them. I fucking, it was crazy, dude. The shit that goes on there. I could definitely write a book about it. So long story short, I fill out a form. Next day, nothing. I said something about it. Nah, it takes a while. I said, get another form. I got a form filled again. I flipped over the form. I said, F this. I wrote the word. I saw this in a movie. I think I wrote hunger strike on the paper, ripped a piece of the sheet off. I tied it on the paper, made some holes, you know, thanks for art class teaching me how to put holes in paper. And yeah. And then I, I put the thing on, it says hunger strike. And I'm just sitting around and all these other guys are like, what the is going on? You know, and a couple of guys are like, Oh, don't get that started, man. You're going to get some shit started you know. And uh, so I go to the food line, you know, it's food and I'm going through and the guards are like, what, what's this? I'm like, well, I, I made a request for uh, my diet. You know, it, it's like a religion to me, basically. I, you know, don't eat animal products. And, and they're like, even the guards are like, good luck with that. A couple of days ago, I had uh, talked to somebody on the phone at the time and told what was happening. And there ended up being a, a blabbermouth uh, article that came out saying that I was on a hunger strike in the LA County Jail. So people, they put out the number and people started calling into the warden. And, and now the guards are starting to come in like, oh, you're some sort of celebrity or something, huh? <laughs> okay. And then now we're hearing about, uh, you know, who you are and, and yeah, you, you think this is going to get you somewhere. It's not, you know, so they started messing with me and, and it was, it was like uh, something out of a movie, man. And it got, it, it got really bad. Like I said, I could literally write a book about it and make a movie out of it one day. I mean, it came down to the point where I swear on my soul, five guards brought me into the hallway. Okay. And one of them pulled out his club. They, they sat me down on this bench and there was a hamburger sitting there and he pulled out his club and he said, you see that camera right there? You're going to eat that hamburger on camera or we're going to take you downstairs and beat the fuck out of you. Yeah. I swear on my soul. And here I am. I go, I go, look, man. I said, I said, do what you have to do, man. If that's what you feel you have to do. So this is like a religion to me. I, I wouldn't eat that if I was dying. Okay. I said, I'm not going to eat that. And then, and he looked at other guys. He said, and he laughed. Can you fucking believe this guy? I'm like, yeah. You never saw someone that believes in what they fucking believe in like this. You got the wrong guy in here if you think you're going to fuck with me. You will not break me for anything. You know, so that, that was on day nine. No, no, that was day 10. And then they sent in three ladies with uh, lab coats to ask me what I eat. So what is it that you eat? <laughs> like, you know, so I told them, you know, fruits, vegetables, beans, rice, you know, juice. You have all the stuff here. Just put it on a train for me, you know? And uh, they brought me a meal and they messed with me too. This guy brought it especially to eat that fucking right now, you know? And so I went in, it was before everyone else. And I started eating it. And then they brought the food line in. And the guy said, you can't eat that right now. Put that, sit that down, get in line and wait like everyone else. 
And, and then as soon as I sat down, the other guy came in like, you don't want that yet? Give me the fucking train. I had to eat it fast. I was like, okay, they're still going to fuck with me. So then the next morning I had two weeks left, I think, or a week and a half left to, to serve time. And then the next morning I heard my name, Ira Black, roll up your stuff. And then they sent me out. They don't want to deal with me anymore. <laughs> so then they sent me out early. <laughs> that's amazing so, you know, that's crazy i mean it, it, and then uh i don't know man it must have been a week or two later i get a call from andrew freeman who's a friend of mine you know he sings for last in line uh he's in a bunch of random another east coast guy you know and uh he, his wife at the time was working for the social department uh social services department he, and he calls me he's like dude my wife just called me and she just went to a a citywide meeting and they brought up this guy that went on a hunger strike, it was vegan in jail. And now they're talking about having a vegan menu in the, in the LA County system. So now they have a, 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 a they provide a, a, a vegan meal in there. That's amazing. That's crazy. And then, and then some article came out. I saw that uh, they compared me to, uh, Oh my God, who, who's that guy from the East coast that did that big pyramid scheme. He embezzled like a billion dollars from her own. You remember that guy? Bernie Madoff. Yeah. So someone did an article about Bernie Madoff and me because he was in jail asking for a kosher meal. And they're like, should, you know, inmates get, you know, requested mill seeing they've done something wrong and they're in prison do they have rights you know it's like there's these two stories bernie madoff and ira black and i mean it's going oh my god they're comparing me to bernie madoff yeah that that's that's a weird that's a weird day <laughs> so but, but but then all these all these animal rights activists uh you know companies you know contact me did a bunch of interviews with animal liberation front and all this stuff and so, you know, some good stuff came out of it, you know, and hey, I have my license, I have insurance, you know, I, I my car's registered, I have my life together finally. So let, <laughs> let's, you know, say that, you know, these all, you know, my sobriety and going through all that has led to great things. I, I've, you know, wrapped my life up in, in, in a much better package. So. so I have a question, though. I mean, and I know that it, it, it's because it's so deeply rooted in you, it was probably something you could handle, but, you know, so I intermittent fast and I'll do 18, 16, 18 hours, sometimes 20, um, 24 is about my limit when then I, I, I snap and I have to eat. How did you go 10 days without eating? And what was that like? Well, let me say that as of today, I'm on day eight of a fast juice only fast. Okay. Um, last year I did a 16 day fast juice only. Okay. When I was in there, it was water only. Okay. You know, I, I'm used to doing it and, and I have a strong will See, you know, being a touring musician, you know, you, you went around the mayhem tour with us. Now, look, that, that was a little more of a cushy tour, but touring is touring is touring. I've been on a lot of really, you know, like, you know, van tours and, you know, tours where, you know, it, it's difficult, you know, so, you know, you get conditioned to kind of, you know, we're, we're you know, especially in the metal world, you know, it's like we, 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 we we, we do whatever it takes to make this stuff happen. And a lot of times that means, you know, you'll, uh, I mean, man, I've woken up on the side of the road because our, our vehicle broke down. We didn't have any, any way to fix it at the time. You know, we're, we're like waking up, you know, in the summertime in, in the dirt on the side of the van on the side of the road, you know. So, you know, we, being able to condition ourselves like this, you know, it's like, you know, I don't want to say it wasn't that difficult for me. Of course it is. I mean, you know. We, we like to eat and no one wants to do a, a it, that was kind of like a forced fasting. You know, I, I, you have to prepare your mind a little bit for it going into it. You have to, okay. who you know, sometimes day three, you're like, Oh shit. Sometimes day eight, all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're just like, Oh my God, I'm, I, I want to, you know, I can eat my hand right now, you know, cause you, you start to get hungry, you know, but, uh, 
you know, in there it was hard because of what was going on because it was a stand against something. And, and a lot of the people in there were coming up to me and threatening me or having talks with me. But when you go into the LA County uh, jail system, the, the first thing they do is they put different races into different rooms. Here's the black race, the Mexican race, and, you know, and or Latins, you know, blacks, African-Americans and uh, Caucasian. And, and then they come in, a guard comes in and says, okay, the 30, 40, 50 guys in here, pick one guy. He'll represent your race when want to bring something to us. So that's the only person we're going to talk to. So they do segregation or like that. And they say that helps to keep order in there. Okay. And, and, and you have to pick your alliance as well. I, I could literally be with uh, the, the, the uh, Latins if I want, the, the, the Mexicans. Um, if you choose it, hey, you want to be with us? You know, so it's weird. It's like, you don't even have to be that race. Like, you know, for whatever, it's a strange thing. So uh, long story short, the reps for the other races will start coming to me like, hey, man, uh, you don't think you're special, man. Like, you're going to cause some problems in here. And, and it did, you know. It turned out that the guards went in and told the rep of the the, the Mexicans to take me out because of this. The, the guards told them, okay, then they put us all in the showers and they left that guy out there. And because he didn't do something to me within 12 hours, they hit him with the, with the club and they tried to start a riot. So when they came out, they wanted to fight at first. And then the reps for the black stood up and said, hey, this is what they're trying to do to us. Let's not let this, let them win against us, actually. And everyone came together in there. It was unbelievable. And this was all over my being vegan and going on the hunger strike. I mean, this was unbelievable, unbelievable, dude. It, it was uh, so tie all that into it, you know, and here I am the one going through it, you know, and, and, and they're trying to leverage and use you know, all this, the, the, the way the thing operates against me. It, it was a trip, man. It was a trip, really. So I, I was actually, you know, fortunate in, in a way that I was able to go through that and, and actually create this really positive, awesome situation at, to, in, in the end, you know, like even the other uh, inmates that were in there, the other people, I didn't want to call them inmates, other people, you know, were, uh, had come together too in solidarity over this. I mean, wow. You know, it was pr pretty mind boggling, really. I thanked everyone from the bottom of my heart, man. I was in tears, practically. When everyone said, let's come together, I got up and I talked in front of everyone. I said, you know, I said, I appreciate everyone's patience with this. Thank you so much. Like, you know, it's like, this is like a religion to me. I literally think eating animals is eating death. That is just my viewpoint. I don't push it on other people. That wasn't my intention to push it on anyone here ever. I, I'm not political about it. You don't, right, Chris, have you ever heard me saying, hey, Chris, you should, uh, you know, like, hey, yeah, it's great. You got a vegan menu and I'm glad you've done that. And we, we've, you know, eaten a few times together. Like, you know, you're definitely uh, inquiring about it. And, and I'm sure you've seen a lot about it. And I, I you know, I'm, I appreciate from the bottom of my heart that, that you provide that and that you're, you know, conscious to, you know, see what's going on in the world. Say, hey, let me do that. And by the way, his vegan food is insane. I mean, five out of a five. Yes, I'm a vegan critic. And after we ate at your restaurant a few weeks ago, every meal for the past two weeks has been terrible. We're like, that's because we just ate at Chris's place. Everything else sucks. <laughs> yeah, every time, um, every time the, the, the Swedish band Avatar comes to town, they're all vegan. And I prepare them uh, a vegan meal. I bring it to the venue or whatever. And it got to the point where they were so into it that when they recorded their last record with Jay Rustin, 
they were like, hey, you want to come uh, hang out in the studio and watch us record? But you got to bring us vegan food, though. <laughs> and so I ended up I ended up spending a couple of days in the studio, which was really fascinating. And, and they got they got to eat with, with, you know, their vegan meal. And it is what it is. I mean, a lot of people are going that way. I mean, it's it's you got to provide for it. You have to. But anyway, that's well, 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 I'm recording every day. So I'm going to call you. Hey, you want to come over and uh, hang out? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So anyway, listen, we're out of time, buddy, but um, thank you so much for sharing all these stories. Um, you definitely have a book in you. You you definitely should start thinking about writing that book for sure. Never mind just I'm sure the tales on the road you have. Hey, hey by the way, do, do you need a guitar for your pawn shop? <laughs> I know, right? I, I Yes, I'll take one. Sure. <laughs> I can't play guitar. I have a guitar sitting right to my left here. I can't play it at all. Whenever I try to play actually like iron man or something it, i think my neighbors think that like my nine my nine-year-old nephew is over because that's just so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to work that out for sure though i'll, I'll yeah. have to get you a guitar um thank you i appreciate that very much so where can people find you so that they can keep track of your fascinating life you live let me just give a little current uh thing that's coming up uh i'll be playing my first show at the bullet boys uh at the rock island fest in uh key west florida that's on january 15th coming up and, uh, you know, Cheap Trick's been added on our day. Like everybody, you know, it's 30 or 40, you know, big bands on it, 30 bands on it. And uh, it's going to be a great show. Um, if you go to, um, you know, I, uh, Facebook, just search Ira Black. You know, there's, you know, probably three or four pages on me there. And Instagram, uh, Ira Black official as well. And uh, my girl also, uh, Jessica Chase, who you saw there, um, handles a lot of my PR and, and helps me with a lot of my business stuff. She's great. And uh, she um, started a page on Facebook and Instagram called best hair in metal. And uh, <laughs> at first I thought this was silly, you know, like, Oh my God, you know, being a metal guy, it's like, you know, no one wants to, Hey, look at me, you know, it, but, but it turned out, you know, that a lot of people were taking these great shots of my hair live. So it's like the page built itself. It's not like I go and do photo shoots. Like, Hey, look at my hair. It's like all these great live hair shots in the <laughs> hundreds and thousands. So it's like these pages, just made themselves. It was like, this makes sense. You know, it's like, let's make a page about these awesome shots about your hair. So best hair and metal on Instagram, Facebook, check that out. It's pretty, uh, pretty cool. We don't, we don't talk a lot about hair on this podcast because Chris gets jealous. I do. I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> as Chris mentioned earlier, we're, we're three days apart, you know, uh, you know, on March 23rd and what you're March 20th, uh, 26th, 26th. Oh, okay. You're after me. That's right. Cause I'm three days older. I'm sorry. Yeah. So both in 71 and, uh, you know, it's like the lottery. You never know, you know, what's going on with the hair. And, you know, I always feel blessed and, you know, I, I'm never about, Hey, look at my hair, you know, but it's like, you know, you hold on for, for as long as you can. And then, you know, I was just saying to Jessica the other day, man, I feel extra strands coming out in the past month. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I just grabbed some right now. I'm like, I don't like that. I'm like, uh Oh, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're 50. So, you know, it's not going to last forever. You know, it's like, it's going <laughs> to, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm looking at this best hair in metal right now. This is amazing. I just, Gave it a follow. Awesome. When you start to, uh, you know, thin out a little bit, what are you going to do? You know, am I going to shave? You know, one day you might see a shaved head eye, or I don't know. And, and then the grays are coming in. I'm starting to get gray hair. You can't really see it. But, you know, it's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? But, you know, you're, you're going to be just fine. We got to bounce. Thanks again, brother. Really appreciate it very much. Um, hope to see you soon. Let's let's pick a date to, uh, and let's go hang out somewhere. Do something. For sure. My pleasure. It's uh, been an honor. I great meeting you matt and let's it's definitely stay in you, touch man. and talk guitar and you know and he's like hey what about my guitar so we'll we'll, we'll figure something out <laughs> love it awesome love it thank you so much thanks brother all right so that was awesome 
Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grey Street.